Well, good morning, and thanks for joining me on this Monday morning. Slick, depending on where you are in the province. A little bit of rain overnight has caused some very slippery roads in and around Saskatoon. If you check the highway hotline, visibility on the east side of the province is a problem as well with some fog. So make sure if you're heading out on the highway this morning, give yourself a little extra time and definitely check the highway hotline. Temperature-wise, still fairly mild and going to be mild through the week. Maybe not quite those balmy temperatures that we saw last week, but still above seasonable for this time of the year. Well, over the last two, three weeks, we've been following very closely that inquest into the deaths on James Smith, Cree Nation, and Weldon. We had senior reporter Lisa Schick there for the better part of three weeks in Melford as the inquest unfolded. I wanted to check in this morning. Now that it's all wrapped up, the recommendations have come out. I wanted to talk with Saskatchewan's Chief Coroner, Clive Wayhill, who joins me from his office in Regina this morning. Clive, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for having me on, Evan. So this inquest, we've talked about it being the biggest in provincial history. Is that accurate? Is this the biggest inquest the province has seen? Yes, it's the largest inquest that we've ever undertaken in the province of Saskatchewan. So it was a discretionary inquest, and we talked about that. Uh, we did a lot of, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of an inquest, what they accomplish, and the fact that we've got a couple of different ki- uh, kinds in the province. One is mandatory, and one is discretionary. That is your discretion to call it. Why did you decide that this was the right avenue to go? Well, there'd be no trial in this in this event. Uh, uh, Mr. Miles Anderson had passed away, so there'd be no way for the public or the families uh, to understand really what happened there unless we would go with a, a public inquest. So mm-hmm. uh, I met with our minister, Minister Eyre, and we discussed it, and uh, we thought it was prudent uh, to call an inquest. Uh, there's only two people that are allowed to call an inquest, either myself or the minister. And uh, it seemed prudent for us to, to call one to make sure that the families would know the, the circumstances of the event and also to uh, inform the public and hopefully get some recommendations to help prevent something like this uh, similarly happening again. Which is exactly what an inquest is not set up to find fault. It is it is different than a court case in many ways, and I think a lot of times people look to it, they're, we're familiar with, with court processes, and the inquest process is a little bit different. But uh, those expectations, do you feel like we've done a good job as a province helping people understand what this was set out to do? I think we did an excellent job. Uh, when I left there on uh, Wednesday night, I was up there for the whole uh, the whole time. Uh, when I left on Wednesday night, it was a very positive atmosphere with the families, uh, with the community at uh, James Smith Cree Nation and Wellman. Uh, you know, people uh, throughout the uh, inquest started to break the ice of uh, families that uh, hadn't gotten along, didn't want to talk about it. Uh, they got together. They they were hugging. They were talking. And I believe that uh, everything that could have come out evidence-wise was was presented and uh, that a real good airing of the factual information uh, came out. I couldn't help but notice uh, that your, I'm guessing, your time as Chief of Police in Saskatoon at the Saskatoon Police Service and the understanding of the importance of cultural ceremony and process like this came through. That appeared to be welcomed by the Indigenous community as well. We worked uh, very closely with uh, with the James Smith Cree Nation uh, community. Uh, we had a, a sweat lodge leading up to that. Uh, we had uh, pipe ceremonies every Monday morning. 
Uh, we had smudging that was going on during the uh, the inquest itself. Uh, we had elders on site uh, that were uh, meeting with the families. So we tried to build as much ceremony as in as we could, uh, you know, based on our legislative requirements as well. But I think uh, that really helped people feel comfortable there, and uh, and feel that they were being heard and appreciated. Saskatchewan's chief coroner Clive Wayhill is my guest this morning. How do you go about picking the presiding coroner for a case like this? We use lawyers. Uh, years ago, it used to be the coroner themselves would have the would run the inquest. But uh, things have got uh, so much legal now with the parties that have standing and charter uh, charter issues and things along that line. So we have uh, five lawyers on on a retainer that we use on a fee for service. So is it common for the presiding coroner to give recommendations? We saw in this case actually more recommendations from that person than we did from the entire jury. Is that fairly common? Uh, it isn't uh, very common. It's only been two years. We had some amendments to the uh, Saskatchewan Coroners Act two years ago uh, that would allow the uh, inquest co- uh, coroner to make recommendations. So this is fairly new for our service, and this is the first time that we've really seen uh, this amount of uh, input from a, an inquest coroner. Maybe I'll just get your reaction. I want to dig into the uh, recommendations a little bit with you, Clive, but your reaction to the 29 recommendations, 14 from the jury, 15 from the presiding coroner, um, just initial thoughts overall? Well, I think they're sensible uh, recommendations. Uh, some will take a long time to get implemented. Some, I think, can be implemented uh, you know, fairly soon. Uh, but I think uh, they did a good job. They were, the jury was very uh, engaged and listened to the evidence. And I must say, when we're talking about the recommendations, uh, I think people have to understand that the recommendations that come out have to be based on the evidence that's presented at the inquest. So you can't have uh, jury members uh, sitting there and, making up recommendations on their ideology or thoughts that they might have had make things better. They can only make recommendations on the evidence that's presented at the inquest. So on that note, um, we had we had some people suggesting, uh, and this was to our, for example, senior reporter Lisa Schick that was there, that they felt like they were left out from the, the process. They were support workers, potentially, or responders who lived on James Smith Green Nation. They did some after action work, so after the incident had unfolded, they were there supporting grieving family members and they felt like they they should have been given an opportunity to testify. What are your thoughts on that and, and what how tricky is that when you're lining up the, the group of, of people that will be presenting and testifying at the inquest? Well, the inquest uh, council is responsible for uh, preparing the, the evidence and this was done in this case and was vetted through the uh, legal uh, people that were representing the James Smith Cree Nation itself. You know, this was a massive, uh, a massive amount of uh, information to present to a jury, and uh, we have to remember that a, an inquest is is designed to uh, look at the events leading up to the death. Uh, we're not looking at what happened post death. We're the inquest is what happened to the person, how did they die, where did they die, and what could be prevented leading up to that death. So uh, that's why the focus was on those types of witnesses rather than people with aftercare. Saskatchewan's Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill. All right, so Clive, if we look at these recommendations, I've I've done a couple of chats on the air about them, and they kind of break into different categories. Maybe we'll we'll start with the RCMP. A lot of the recommendations for the RCMP have to do with two things. Number one, resources, so more resources in a few defined areas, and number two, relationship building. Thoughts on the importance of of those two general areas? 
I think they're very important areas. Uh, I mean, you want the, the police uh, to work with the community and the community to work with the police. And you'll see that in a couple of uh, the recommendations where it's uh, saying that police should work closer to a uh, James Smith Green Nation. And then the follow-up recommendation to that is that James uh, Smith Green Nation should work closer with the police. I'm just summarizing the recommendations mm-hmm. here. But that's, that's I think, the, the beauty of this is to, to look what happened and then see if there's something that we can do that would uh, would help prevent happening or better communication into the future. The staffing thing for the RCMP is a bit of a big beast to take on because the the recommendations in many cases are around making sure that, you know, the warrant enforcement suppression team is fully staffed, the crime reduction team. But we know that the RCMP in Saskatchewan have had issues with vacancies for a number of years, and they're competing against the rest of Canada who are also having some of these problems. Being as the, this inquest was the biggest our province has seen, one one of the largest in, in Canadian history, do we think that the RCMP and the federal government, Public Safety Canada, will will take some of these recommendations to heart? I would hope that they do. Uh, they'll be receiving their recommendations. And, uh, you know, the evidence was presented at the inquest that uh, some teams have been formed to the credit of the RCMP and the province, uh, but there are vacancies within the teams. So even though some of the teams have been formed, they're not fully staffed yet. And uh, certainly this is no fault of the the commanding officer or the RCMP. As you mentioned, uh, Evan, it's a really tough recruitment time right now for uh, police agencies right across Canada. So the, the other thing, when we're talking about national recommendations, there are recommendations here that are, are focused on the parole board. And so my Past history, I know that as the leader of an organization like the Regina Police Service, if there's an inquest where we are involved as an organization, uh, the, the recommendations would come out. And then I would get a letter from you and as the chief coroner, and it says, here's the recommendations that pertain to the Regina Police Service. Please respond, you know, basically whether you're going to implement them or not. And if not, what steps are being taken to address the recommendation? That will happen with, with things like parole and uh, the corrections in can- when we're talking on a national scale, do you have some expectation that they will follow through? Because these are big, big justice machines in order to affect change. I have every hope that uh, there'll be some recognition for the for the recommendations. I mean, that's why we have an inquest, and that's why they will be sent a copy of the recommendations. Uh, just so that people understand, the, the the recommendations will be posted on our website so people can see what those recommendations are. And when I receive the letters back from these agencies, their response will also be posted on on our website so people can see what the recommendation was and what the affected agency uh, will say in response to those recommendations. Chatting with Saskatchewan's Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill. Okay, we're going to take a break, but uh, when we come back, I actually had Doug Cuthand on my show last week, Star Phoenix columnist, and Doug was talking about in his, and this was before the recommendations had come out, and he had talked about, in his view, the importance of recognizing the leadership of a First Nation and the role that they need to play in Number one, receiving information when one of their community members is out with warrants or on parole with conditions so that they can manage that situation. We actually saw the recommendations step into this. I'd like to get your thoughts, Clive, when we come back on that and and whether or not in practical terms that will make a difference. More with Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill when we return on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. (laughs) 
Welcome back and thanks for listening in today. We're chatting with Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill for the province of Saskatchewan. That James Smith Cree Nation and Weldon Inquest just wrapped up last week with 29 recommendations. And we're chatting with Chief Coroner Wayhill about the recommendations. Clive, I mentioned I had Doug Cuthand from the Star Phoenix on with me last week. And he talked about he felt that there should be a sharing of information with chiefs and council members from First Nations of people that are from their community and out either on wanted on warrants, um, have conditions on on parole or some sort of a release document so that they can be the eyes, ears and reporting mechanism to ensure that their community stays safe. We saw that captured in a couple of the recommendation. Your thoughts on that? I think it's very important, and you could see that the jury and the inquest coroner picked up on that. So I think there's a responsibility on both parties. So, you know, the First Nations are asking that they be receiving that information. Uh, but so on the other hand, if they're receiving the information, they should be uh, helping out if they do uh, find the person on their First Nation. We talked about that, the responsibility that comes. It's one thing to get it. It's another thing to, to have that responsibility. Do you think that there was any areas missed uh, or or perhaps not leaned into enough when it comes to the recommendations? Uh, no, I think, uh, you know, based on, on the evidence that they heard, uh, they came up with some pretty wide-ranging uh, thoughts on what the recommendations would be. One thing that I, I talked about a fair bit last week, and I know you've seen this certainly in your, your policing career, is what I feel is a, a desperate lack of supports, service, and... and, and uh, at, follow-up care for people that are being released from custody. And we heard, you know, time and time again through this inquest that during his time in incarceration, Miles Sanderson was, you know, completing training, um, meeting with parole officers, all of the things that that he should have done. The second he gets back out into the community, that, that support system is not there. And in fact, the system that got him into trouble. So whether it's, it's contacts with, with friends that are not taking him down the right path, access to drugs and alcohol, those types of things, uh, can cause people to fall off the tracks. Is that an area potentially that was missed in terms of recommendations that could have come forward? No, that's, that's found in one of the recommendations there. It might not be as glaring as, as you've pointed out right now. But I think one of the biggest issues that we're finding, and you and I talked about this for years in our previous jobs, Evan, is the, it's the transition from somebody leaving a, a penal institution back into uh, real life again and, and getting them prepared for that and then supporting them when they get back out. I mean, you can lock somebody up for 10 or 20 years, uh, but if they don't have a transition to get back into the community again where somebody will help them, will support them, uh, they're going to go back into the environment they came from, and you're going to replicate what you had before. So uh, I truly believe that that transition period from when getting somebody ready to leave and then some supports afterwards. And yes, it's going to take money and it's going to take time to do that. But if people aren't going to be supported when they get out and they're going to get back into their previous lifestyle, you're going to still have the same problem. Saskatchewan's Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill. Um, I know you were, as Chief of Police for the Saskatoon Police Service, you spent a couple of years as the President of the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police, and I heard you ta- uh, talk more than once on the notion of Indigenous policing and the sustainability that needs to happen to make that not only credible but possible on many First Nations. A couple of the recommendations talk about leaning into these you know, more permanent solutions to on First Nation policing security. What are your thoughts on, on that, Clive? 
Absolutely. And, you know, when I was the president of the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, we lobbied the federal government uh, quite vigorously because most First Nations, if they have standalone policing, they're only on a contract. So they might have an agreement that will pay, say, a sustainable funding for only three years. So it's pretty hard to build a police service, buy all the equipment that you need, staff it up, train people on a three-year contract, not knowing whether or not you're going to get the the funding come through again in three years. So really that puts a First Nation uh, in a really tough spot there to have a good sustainable policing. And in my opinion, uh, whether you're living on a First Nation or you're living in Regina, uh, you, des- you deserve policing that will support what you need. Uh, if you live in Regina, you never have to worry about the Regina Police Service getting sustainable funding. You know it's always going to be there. So that's, that service can build, it can grow, it can be, uh, can be very efficient. When you're only going on three-year agreements or two-year agreements, it's really hard to build a good system. Clive, we've only got a couple of minutes left here before I let you go. The recommendations, of course, were based on the testimony that were heard, that was heard, and so they all focus on James Smith Cree Nation. We know we have not only many other First Nations in the province, but other communities where situations like this can happen, certainly not restricted to a First Nation are you, is it your hope that the other communities, given the public nature of this, will take note and potentially look at things they can do to protect and, and enhance the safety in their community? I think that's one of the important factors of having a, a public inquest, because people can hear what's happened and, and decide for themselves whether or not it would be it would be uh, appropriate for them to to look at this as well too. So I think there's always a spillover effect uh, from these uh, recommendations that other people may be looking at these and thinking, you know, uh, this may be very uh, appropriate for our our organization as well too. And of course, Clive, just in the last ten seconds, we've got another inquest, the second inquest coming up at the end of February. Yes, it'll be in Saskatoon uh, starting on uh, February 26th. And that's uh, for in, Mr. Miles Sanderson. Right, into the death of, of Miles Sanderson. Yes. Chief Coroner Clive Wayhill, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We appreciate you uh, walking us through this inquest. Thank you very much, Evan. So coming up in a second, we are going to open up the phone lines for you. You've been listening to this for the last number of weeks. You've heard the recommendations. If you could make a recommendation that would prevent similar tragedies from happening in the future, what would it be? I realize you didn't sit through potentially three weeks of testimony, but it's been talked about. There's been reports and stories on it. If you have a thought on it, we'd like to hear it. What recommendation would you make to prevent a similar tragedy to the James Smith Cree Nation from happening in the future? Your calls and thoughts next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, good morning and thanks so much for listening in. I'm Evan Bray. Just had a good chat with Clive Wayhill, the chief coroner for the province of Saskatchewan. His thoughts on the wrap-up of the James Smith Cree Nation and Weldon inquest that happened over the last three weeks. 29 recommendations coming out, 14 of them from the jury, 15 of them from the presiding coroner in this case. And they span a whole variety of different things. Staffing for the RCMP, along with relationships with people on First Nations, that's a big part of the recommendations. But a lot of them dig into, I would call, bigger moving pieces of the Justice Department and, and the justice system, including parole, corrections in, in the, uh, not only the province of Saskatchewan, but the country as well. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not on a national level some of these changes are made based on the recommendations. Some of the recommendations are are much, what I would say, closer to home, right on James Smith Cree Nation with the people, the leadership there as well. We want to throw it out to you. 
You've had the opportunity to listen now all of the different things that have been talked about. We had regular reports on here. Lisa Schick, senior reporter for our radio station, was in Melford for the full three weeks, giving us reports and updates. And of course, this tragedy unfolded in front of all of us back on September the 4th and the days that followed until Miles Sanderson was arrested. And so in watching that, what are your thoughts? If you could make a recommendation that would prevent similar tragedies from happening in the future, what would it be? Phone line is open for you. one 332 8255 Give me a call. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Kathy texted in with a couple of recommendations. Number one, chief and counsel be given a list of all with outstanding warrants in their First Nations and with an obligation to report the individual's whereabouts. And that was one that was captured um, in essence in the recommendations that came out. And number two, Kathy says, a member of the reserve chief and council be de- designated as a person. Anyone on the reserve can anonymously tell them where a wanted person is or about a criminal offense. That way it takes that person who's reporting it, it, it takes away the, the vulnerability that they would experience and they're reporting it to a leader on the First Nation who then, of course, would get a hold of the RCMP or the appropriate individual to to make the arrest. A couple of good thoughts there, Kathy. Appreciate that. one 332 8255 What do you think? If you could make a recommendation that would prevent a tragedy like what we saw on James Smith Cree Nation, what would it be? one 332 8255 One of the recommendations that came down was that the Correction Service Canada should increase its focus on parole officers keeping track of offenders in the first month after release. And we know that often, as soon as offenders are released from custody without those proper supports, they are going to face a lot of temptation that could easily drag them back into that old lifestyle. And we're hearing stories, of course, through the inquest about Miles Sanderson, about the fact that he was using drugs, he was selling drugs, he was exhibiting violence with not just family members of his, but others as well. And so these are all opportunities. Kathy just threw out a recommendation where, you know, if there was a way that people could report these things that they're happening before they happen or before it it escalates to the the point that something very tragic happens, then that, that would be positive. 1-877-332-8255. one 332 8255 Colleen in Saskatoon says, how about some of those 70 Saskatchewan marshals? Maybe they should be used uh, on First Nations, working, having offices right there, occupied, developing relationships and trust, working with the leaders on the First Nations. Maybe that, maybe that's, that's, I, I think we are going to see steps in that direction. May not be with the marshals because what we're, what we've heard from the marshals is that won't be their mandate. Their mandate though, maybe frees up some resources for the RCMP who this is their mandate, building relationships with community, not just First Nations communities either. Small towns, communities throughout the province. That's the role of the provincial police, the RCMP is to build those relationships so that they exist at a time when a crisis occurs. They are seen as approachable. They have the trust and confidence of the community that they're serving. And if the community needs to come to them with maybe a sensitive piece of information, then they're comfortable in doing so. 
So we're asking you, if you could make a recommendation that would prevent similar tragedies from happening in the future, what would it be? one 332 8255 Phone lines are open for you. If you've got some thoughts, lots of people, of course, are saying we just we need to be we need to be more strict. We need to hold dangerous people in jail. And this was uh, I talked a little bit about this last week and, and essentially said if we know a person is dangerous, if we know a person has the ability and has demonstrated the ability to be violent and we know that we don't have proper supports in the community to help them, then when someone is adjudicating on whether or not they should be released, maybe we need to think twice about that, right? If we were to have a robust system in place where as soon as someone is released, there's someone there to monitor, touch base, support, connect, all of the things that should happen, if if the system was there and perfect, then fair enough. But the absence of that makes it, I think, something that we have to seriously look at. Things like reform when it comes to parole, reform when it comes to bail, because oftentimes violent offenses are being committed by someone who's on conditions of some sort to be, you know, not out after a certain time at night, not to be in contact with someone, not to consume alcohol or drugs, any of those types of conditions often are being breached by someone who is committing violent offenses in the community. one 332 James is on the line from Saskatoon. Thanks for calling in, James. What do you think? If you could make a recommendation that would more than likely prevent similar tragedies from happening in the future, what would it be? One would never know if it would prevent, but the hope is always there that it could prevent the, uh, the tragedy from happening again. And I, I would tend to think that chief and councils need to create a culture of see something, say something. Right. right? And, and, and that doesn't need a bureaucracy to do. It becomes almost a volunteer aspect, right? It, 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 it goes to how then do I create a better place for, for my elders, for my community, how do I create a better society? And, 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 and you do this through integration of, of all of your, your, your community members to participate, right? And so um, that, that is the starting block. I don't think sometimes people, or at least I get this impression, sometimes people want to build bureaucracy as opposed to you know, if it really is important to one, wouldn't one volunteer have right. a better existence, right? And, and, and so sometimes I think that's the issue. I understand a lot of the deep-founded issues of uh, that exist, right? But I also understand that on on reserve, there's a lot of elders that are very scared, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think we heard that through even the testimony that came out and some of the subsequent interviews that happened, James. Absolutely, we did. Absolutely. And I can tell you that that's replicated all over the place. Well, the uh, the recommendation of uh, James is saying, you know, let's create a culture of see something, say something. That was one of the recommendations. Uh, it says James Smith Green Nation leadership should encourage citizens to report crime to police in a timely and accurate manner. And there's a lot that comes with that, including uh, building relationships so that 
there is a trust there with police, which we know sometimes and historically has been a bit of a challenge, but that's also one of the recommendations is having police more active in building those relationships in community. There's probably nothing more foundational from a, from a policing standpoint that that happens. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Thomas in Regina is on the phone. Thomas, if you could make a recommendation that would likely prevent similar tragedies from what we saw at James Smith Cree Nation, what would it be? If the recommendations I would recommend is to start with the offender as soon as they entered the system, because the system has many faults in there. It's like uh, I have experience in the system quite a bit. It's like a breeding ground. You feed the anger to population through parole, through what you guys are talking about, and they carry that out, and then they relash on other people, like what just happened with uh, this inquest and everything. Mm-hmm. So you're, are you saying, Thomas, there's room for reform in the system when yeah. they're incarcerated? Yes, but it, it's not the way that public thinks reform occurs in the system. If that makes sense. Yeah. So basically you're, you're saying the system can, can actually exacerbate some of the problems can be a breeding ground for some of the problems. If there isn't, uh, you know, the proper steps in there. And, and we see that we hear about that. We know that drugs make their way into you know, security and, and custody facilities. We know that gang recruiting happens in the penitentiary. It happens in the correctional centers in our province. So we know that they're not perfect. Throughout this inquest, we heard reports from various different parole officers and other workers that had contact with Miles Sanderson saying he appeared to be doing well in terms of the programming and training that he was taking. He was showing progress. But again, the door opens, that big gate opens, and you're released from custody into a community absent of follow-up support. Who is shocked that you're going to fail? one 332 8255 Your texts and your calls are welcome. If you could make a recommendation that would likely prevent similar tragedies from happening, what would it be? We need a support center finding jobs for people and looking after them for 90 days minimum, says Cornello in Weyburn. Thank you very much. Keep criminals in jail until they're rehabilitated. I think in a perfect world, that uh, would would definitely be something that would be nice, but we know that that's not true. And our system is not set up right now. Our system is not set up to keep people in jail for the maximum amount of time. It's set up to release them at the earliest opportunity after a number of conditions are met. And I think what we're seeing is, in many cases, those conditions may appear to be met, but whether or not they are, is another thing. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm going to take another call before we take a break. Harold is on the line. Thanks for calling in, Harold. What do you think? Have you got a recommendation that might prevent a similar tragedy like we saw on James Smith? Uh, yes, uh, I, I I cannot understand why we've had this long, drawn out. Uh, inquiry. Right. We know what the problem is, and that guy should have been in jail. So why go through all the gory details and everything when we know what the problem is? That guy should have been in jail. He, so, but the problem, well, the, the reality was, Harold, he was in jail. He did 
whatever the, the time was he was sentenced for, he was released. And then after released on conditions, he committed more offenses. Yes, yes. But our system is broken. And somebody like that should have been in jail. And then we wouldn't have had this fiasco. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is where the problem is. And now go through goes through all those gory details. I cannot understand the purpose of the inquiry. Now, something good, obviously, will come out, but I don't see how this could have been prevented. Well, it's there, there. I think there were absolutely through the inquiry, we heard testimony that really there were a few doors that were open that would have maybe prevented this had someone felt comfortable in coming forward, talking about the violence that was being committed, the drugs that were being sold, the even some of the text messages and phone calls in the days leading up to it were absolutely indicators that this guy was on a crash course and something needed to be done. I don't think anyone would have predicted that it would have gone to the extent that it did. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a couple more of your thoughts on if you could make a recommendation that would prevent similar tragedies from the James Smith Cree Nation, uh, like the James Smith Cree Nation from happening in the future. What would it be? More of your thoughts when we come back on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. In light of the recommendations that came out just last week on the uh, inquest that rolled out for the James Smith Cree Nation, we're asking you if you could make a recommendation that would prevent similar tragedies from happening, what would it be? Laura said there's definite warning signs when someone goes off the rails. Unfortunately, lots of people who try reporting things are told, until they do something to you, we can't do anything. It's a scary way to live when someone is a threat, and that's part of that communication. We saw in the recommendations communication that needs to happen so that there are organizations that are dealing with high-risk offenders, dealing with people that are out on conditions. Andy in Saskatoon, this is a good text to get. I work inside a federal jail, and the inmates have more supports, including program staff, nurses, elders, etc., than people on the street have. Many inmates are released on parole when they shouldn't be. They're right there. That statement, I think, says a lot. The Parole Board of Canada has too much public pressure to release certain inmates too early, and the public pays the price. Thanks to everyone who weighed in and gave us your thoughts on your recommendation that might prevent a similar tragedy from happening. This conversation will continue a bit, along with a few other things. We've, of course, uh, watching with interest the five NHL players that were charged with sexual assault, the News conference is happening today in London, Ontario. That and a few other topics of discussion on the Roundtable of Justice coming up next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.